Hello and welcome to the Mindful Commerce Podcast, a place where we talk to e-commerce brands, service providers and developers who care about protecting our planet. I'm Chrissy, And I'm Rich and we're your hosts. The podcast is an extension of the Mindful Commerce community. The Mindful Commerce community is a safe place for e-commerce brands and experts to connect, collaborate and explore opportunities to work together to unleash the power of e-commerce as a force for good. You can join by going to mindfulcommerce.io and clicking community. See you there. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Commerce podcast. Um, so today you'll be hearing a replay of a special panel event that we did in April. And uh, This event was all about sustainable packaging and shipping. Um, the reason why we chose this subject is because, as always, we polled the Mindful Commerce community. And the biggest uh, topic or challenge that they had on their mind at that time was um, how to package and ship their products in the most environmentally friendly way. So we thought, right, we're going to get some experts to talk about this so that um, our community members can learn and ask questions. Um, And that's exactly what we did. So we speak to two experts. First, we speak to Susanna from PackHelp. They provide custom designed packaging solutions for e-commerce brands. And then we speak to Sinem from Bird. Bird is an e-commerce fulfillment company. So that's the perfect blend, we thought. And so if you have any questions after listening to this um, event podcast, please feel free to find Susanna and Sinem's contact details in the show notes or join the Mindful Commerce community to carry on the conversation. We will also be adding a handy guide on this subject to the Mindful Commerce Education Hub. So be sure to check that out for more tips. I'll link it to the show notes, of course. So thank you very much and enjoy. My name is Zuzanna Mazurek and I'm going to briefly tell you what I do at PackHelp. So at PackHelp we have this creator where you can design, personalize your own packaging And that's my responsibility. So um, we also have this uh, feature for eco-friendly, eco-minded people and that you can add any kind of icon uh, or symbol related to um, sustainability. And also you can plant trees with us. So that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, and just... um, few things about my agenda. So uh, I'm going to talk about uh, making your packaging sustainable, about eco-properties, so what's really important, uh, and uh, third point uh, are inspirations. And I'm going to skip this part where I explain why sustainability is such an important topic, because I know that since you voted for this topic, then uh, you must know that uh, I'm just going to give you uh, very quickly a short statistic that I read in many different reports that um, almost half of uh, population worldwide, they pay attention to, um, you know, just information about packaging, if it's sustainable or not. They're looking for some information. So that's why I think it's very important to have sustainable packaging and also to kind of share the message that you have sustainable packaging. So first point, how to make your packaging sustainable. Uh, You can follow two different paths. 
And first path is um, that you use something that is ready on the market available. And I think uh, both these ways, they have advantages and disadvantages, but uh, this one I think um, is a very um, convenient in a way that you can check some kind of reviews online on this packaging. You can actually read the opinions from end customers, how they like the packaging, if it's strong, uh, durable, these kind of things. But also there is another path you can follow. So it's uh, ordering something custom made for you. And uh, well, I think this path is very exciting because you can invent something totally new. But on the other hand, uh, it's riskier because you have to put uh, effort, money, kind of invest and you know the result um it's you can't really predict and also um you have to bear in mind that uh, regulations regarding disposal they are changing so um that's that's why i think it's riskier but also um when you follow this second path and you get something custom made for you uh, then i think it's also connected to some kind of publicity so a lot of uh, different newspapers can write about you, uh, your packaging can go viral. So I think that's that's pretty cool. So both ways, very attractive. Yeah, you just have to choose something for you. And there are several strategies how to achieve sustainability in packaging. But the very important point is that it's not like sustainability is not just one moment. It's the whole sustain a supply chain. So uh, you have to think about sourcing, manufacturing, distribution, use and end of life. So the whole life cycle. That's why there, there is a term, we call it a life cycle analysis. So you analyze the sustainability uh, in the whole supply chain. And actually it's basically your responsibility. It's up to you how your packaging is going to end up. If it's going to be disposed properly or if it's going to be recycled and used again. Uh, so it's up to you. You, you as a business, business owner, you, you have to decide about that. And yeah, so this um, circle kind of thing you see on my slide, it uh, shows this kind of circular uh, strategy to packaging. Uh, but also you can use different strategies. For example, use fewer materials. And that's, you know, it's a bit easier because circular economy is still something that, um, yeah, we are working on that, but uh, still there is much to be done in this field. But using fewer materials, it could be actually a solution for you. Uh, another strategy is sourcing alternative materials. So search for something that is not made of petroleum. Uh, another way is finding multiple uses for your packaging. Uh, you can also improve practices in the whole supply chain. So as I said, um, delivery, uh, storage, uh, and also the last point, I think that's something pretty cool. Uh, once you follow this sustainable path, uh, you can share your eco-friendly approach with your customers. So now going to my second point, I'm going to tell you about three eco-properties that I personally think that they are uh, important. First is uh, certified wood. 
And uh, this is a certification that shows that um, your packaging, if it's made of paper or cardboard, um, the pulp comes from responsibly managed forests and mills. And uh, there are actually three types of this certification. So it could be 100%. Uh, so then the pulp in like the total of it, 100% comes from this uh, well-managed forests. If it's a mix, then obviously it's a mix and recycled. Uh, it means that uh, it's recycled, but still um, like, like it comes from this um, well-managed forests. So this kind of certification, I think it's really important and it's also uh, worldwide known. So everyone who sees, I am pretty sure you saw it somewhere uh, on some of the packaging. Um, this certification is just um, a simple sign that this cardboard or paper comes from uh, well-managed forests. So that's important. Also, another one, plastic-free. Uh, as you know, plastic is something that is really, um, first of all, it has bad uh, publicity. And second of all, um, you know, we contribute to marine waste. And that's, that's a huge topic uh, nowadays. And uh, you can avoid petroleum-based plastics uh, either by using cardboard or you can actually go for some um, plastics that are not based on petroleum, so for example, made of starch. Uh, so here um, you will usually see these uh, two terms that something is compostable or biodegradable. And you have to bear in mind that those things are two, two different things. So a lot of customers, they actually think that if they put um, in their garbage something that is compostable, it will compost in their garbage. And it's not true, usually. Usually it has to land in some kind of industrial facility for composting, yeah. And volume reduction. Volume reduction, I think that's uh, something that is probably quite easy. It doesn't require a lot of money. And um, it's simple. You just have to use uh, something that is lighter, smaller than your usual packaging. And I had this conversation with my friend at work uh, yesterday, actually, that sometimes you just receive a tiny, tiny product, but it's packed in this huge cardboard. And you think, oh my God, somebody just shipped me, you know, uh, through the whole country, for example, a box of air. And that doesn't make sense because it always takes your money and also CO2, uh, you know, to ship something that is empty. So that's why I think it's, uh, I think it's, yeah, it's something that it can be easily made and um, yeah, it will lower definitely your uh, CO2 emissions. And if I uh, may give you just one hint is to do your own research. So it's very important to, to find what is uh, important to you. What are your values? So what kind of properties uh, you want to follow and um, do your own research. Also, uh, if you're selling something globally, not only in one country, you have to know that uh, the rules, uh, they are regional. So the disposal rules are different in every country. And I also have some inspiration, inspirations for you. I'm just going to check at the time. Okay, I still have time, <laughs> that's good. So uh, for the inspirations, I have two examples. Uh, one is kind of an innovation. 
And uh, second thing, um, those are like two different packages uh, that were actually uh, our products. So from Backhelp and you can see them. So for the innovation, I have this uh, mycelium. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Um, that's kind of an innovative material. Um, so uh, there is uh, still much to do about this material. It's not very popular nowadays, but it's organic. So it doesn't contribute to marine waste. Um, and also it's a massive reduction of carbon emissions. And uh, you, you don't need a lot of energy um, to produce it. And the funny thing is that this material is made of mushroom. So um, in order to produce it, you have to grow mushroom in this special form. It takes five days. So, I mean, it depends on the mushroom definitely, but you need uh, at least five days. So it grows in this form and then you have to kill the mushroom and it will stay in this form. So it, you take the form and it will stay the same as the form. So um, I think it's very interesting material. As you can see at the pictures, you can, for example, um, ship a bottle, glass bottle in it or uh, cosmetics. So that's, that's very interesting. And also this material is very durable and strong. Um, so I heard that there are companies that are making uh, buildings out of mycelium and also a lot of very fancy furniture. So very interesting material. And I think it's kind of a future for uh, packaging. And um, so I, I also know that IKEA is uh, working on this mycelium packaging in order to replace their um, plastic forms that they use. So that's very interesting. And two inspirations for you more. Yeah. So the green inspirations that I uh, prepared for you, uh, they are um, referring to the strategies I discussed before. So first one, um, you can see that it's cardboard. It's not a very big box, right? We don't know what is inside. But also you can see that uh, on one side and on the one wall of the packaging, it's written, um, you just planted 10 trees. So um, you can actually plant trees in order to um, reforestate uh, what you took. So uh, basically when you use cardboard, you use trees so you can plant trees in order to pay back. And that's, that's one strategy. And also on the other picture, you can see a packaging that is very simple. It's, it's paper, um, but it's very light and also quite small, right? So um, you can see that it's not very, you know, something totally innovative. It's not going to cost you a lot of money, but uh, it's very simple, it's very light, it's cost-effective. And uh, in the shipment process, if it's durable and you can make it durable, um, it's going to be very effective. You just send you know, the product in a very small pouch and it goes to your customer. And also, as you can see, they are both good looking. So um, it's not only about sustainability, but also it gives kind of um, great experience, opening experience for uh, your customers. And that would be all from me. Uh, you can see uh, my email, so if you want, you can always email me with questions 
or we can go for quest questions right now. Wow, thank you so much. That was so interesting. I used to make fun of my brother a lot because he didn't like mushrooms and I'm gonna tell him this is one more reason that he should be more of a fan. That was so interesting. I would have never thought, and it's great that um, it seems to be uh, durable and it just, it's just five days of growing mushrooms, that's so cool. But everything else was really, really insightful, like the viral package, packaging, as Chrissy said. And I think we have a few questions, Deb. Yeah. Uh, oh yes, the email, great. But yeah. did anyone else want to um, ask any questions? The floor would be yours now. Hi, um, I'm not sure if I can ask a quick question, Susanna. My name is Maria and I'm from Bezos. Just to give a quick overview at Bezos, we partner with uh, e-commerce sellers and we help them to fulfill and send their orders. So sometimes we also arrange packaging for them. And right now we're also working on a more sustainable delivery um, through cargo bikes and I'm looking as well into packaging. And as I was looking into packaging, I actually found out that the extraction uh, process of the cardboard emits far more emissions than of the plastic and petroleum. And I was shocked because I was also thinking, oh, but surely cardboard must be more sustainable. And I was wondering if you could help me understand why at the end of the day, is cardboard still more sustainable if the extraction in terms of tones is almost 10 times higher than the ones from, from cardboard? Yeah, thanks for this question. Uh, it, it's a difficult one and it refers to um, this life cycle analysis I was talking about. So yeah, if you think about the whole process, not just, you know, just one part of it, you can clearly see that, you know, some if you just count the CO2, for example, it's always, you know, that there are so many variables to think of. So if you think just about CO2, then probably plastic is better than cardboard. But if you think about the end of the life, then, you know, cardboard is something that is organic. So even if your customer won't uh, think at the, like at the end when he stops using this packaging, for example, if this customer doesn't dispose uh, properly, uh, so just put it, I don't know, on the street or, or anywhere, then this cardboard, cardboard is organic and it will just simply compost, right? And if it's plastic, that's the problem, right? Because as we know, we have these huge islands of plastic on the ocean and, well, it's always a choice that you have to make. That's why I said do your own research and uh, find what's important to you because maybe it's marine life or maybe it's CO2 and you always have to make kind of choices. It's always a trade-off, unfortunately. You can't find okay. something that is perfect, not yet. <laughs> Let's hope that the research uh, will lead to better materials then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, you asked why it's cardboard that it's so popular and not plastic. Uh, well, I think it's uh, mostly because of the fact that uh, cardboard is used mostly for shipping, right? And it's, it's just a better material than plastic because uh, plastic is, um, uh, it's, it's a strong material, but um, I think it could break, you know, when, I, when it's shipped, then Absolutely. it break. And cardboard is kind of, it's strong, but it's also flexible. So it's just more about, I think, these properties for, um, yeah, just for shipping, the, the purpose, yeah. Thank you. I'll definitely look into the disposal of, of packaging a bit more. Thank you. 
Thank you, Maria, for that great question. Yeah, it's, it's a very important question. Yeah. And it's always like that, the, the questions that most interest us don't always have a clear-cut answer. Yeah, um, yeah, but there are, there are no answers like that, unfortunately, in sustainability. I think you explained uh, the reality pretty well. I think it seems we have another question from Luminia. Would you know any mycelium packaging supplier in Canada or the USA? Oh, that's, that's a difficult question. So I'm definitely not an expert in suppliers, so I can't tell you the names. So I've done some research on that. And if you just type uh, on Google mycelium packaging, you will find a few different uh, names of companies who produce it. And you just have to check it because uh, honestly, I have no idea. I am in Europe, so <laughs> it's also quite difficult for me to, to name a company maybe there. A tandem suggestion you can give is maybe while she's searching um, for potential suppliers, would there be specific things maybe you would suggest for them to look out for, like maybe on the website that would help them decide which of the suppliers are the best fit for them? Um, well, I, I know from my, uh, not from my experience, but from my colleagues' experience that um, what you have to look for um, is if they are able to ship it to you, because sometimes uh, there are like many problems with shipping. Um, so I would look for some company that is uh, in near proximity from you, not far away. That's, I think, one thing. And other than that, I don't, nothing comes to my mind. But definitely how easy it is to ship to you and yeah that's all and some of them they sell like ready-made uh, products and you can also find like do-it-yourself kit so i think that's quite exciting if you can grow your packaging by yourself oh that's so cool and yeah. i think steven just shared a, a link so thank you steven that's really awesome um and we're all very appreciative for you to share your knowledge and um does anyone ha have any other questions for Zuzana's Q&A before we move on to the next portion? Or she, she did an amazing job and already answered all your questions in her presentation, it seems. You can always send me an email. Great. Well, thank you very much, Zuzana. I think now we will move on to Sinem. So please introduce yourself and let us know um, what you'll be speaking about today. Hi, thanks a lot. So um, happy to be a part. And when uh, basically I was um, mentioned um, from um, PECALP, uh, it was a great time for um, us as well um, as BERT. Um, just from uh, our side, we are a um, e-commerce um, fulfillment um, shipping company. And I'm um, sort of leading the um, strategy and partnerships at BERT. Uh, just a quick background on basically what's outsourced fulfillment, what is e-commerce fulfillment. We basically help e-commerce merchants for their warehousing, picking, packing, um, shipping, and returns handling procedures. So as we have discussed, or as Susanna had, had touched base, um, packaging is an um, uh, important aspect of how 
to position the brand as well as sort of shipping because these touch points are the only physical touch points when it comes to e-commerce um, and when it comes to online shopping. So, um, and, and these touch points also have um, a great impact on the sustainability um, footprint or um, CO2 footprint or sort of um, uh, generally um, environmental footprint that you have uh, in your brand. So in order to make it as uh, consistent as possible through the whole um, supply chain is, is important to, to look into. And as BERT, we are basically covering um, Europe region at the moment with worldwide shipping, of course, but um, our um, sort of operations mainly focus in, in, in Europe. And um, we basically cover um, sort of inventory management and order management for it. And I just want to give you a brief information on our sustainability journey and basically what we have um, lived with sustainability and went through. Um, so as Susanna also mentioned, this is a um, statistic from um, Europe. 79% um, of the consumers that reported that it's important for them that the brands provide transparency, authenticity, um, and certifications uh, when they are purchasing the goods. So it is becoming more and more important for um, buyers, thankfully. And um, we basically, from a supply chain perspective, maybe um, it's good to give that understanding. So there is the warehousing part. So like there's the production part, which we don't uh, basically look at, but we are looking at the warehousing, picking, packing um, and shipping part of the thing. So um, if you think of Bird or a um, fulfillment company, there is the company's overall um, um, emissions and overall um, sort of, um, the dashboard and server use, and there is um, the warehouse, and there is also shipping. So there are three pillars actually in, in carbon neutrality or sustainability um, that there is areas to improve um, if, if, if you look into it that way. Um, and um, what we did basically is to um, look into the um, uh, look into it from our company perspective. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Planetly, but um, they basically provide some options for consultancy for merchants and also companies um, to calculate their CO2 emissions and basically enable them to reduce uh, or consult them to reduce and enable them to offset these um, emissions. So what we have done uh, with Planetly is that we made sure that we calculated our overall office carbon uh, emissions. And um, we, um, in 2020, we basically submitted a offsetting project with them um, in um, two different areas, um, one of them in the Netherlands and one of them in, in Indonesia, to make sure that we are basically um, offsetting it. And I think that's a um, start. So basically, from the supply chain perspective, like um, like Susanna said, there is no perfect solution. So um, you start with offsetting projects, you start with um, reducing the carbon emissions and then um, move towards carbon neutrality. And also for um, for your brand from production side and the uh, the materials that that use side, it, it is the same. So you you basically start step by step, and it is the same for shipping. Um, um, 
as well. And um, basically the, the one pillar we had was the office emissions, the other warehouse emissions, and then the last was the shipping emissions. And um, basically on the um, warehouse ones, we, um, we tried to compensate it um, with um, sort of tree uh, plantations for um, 2020 period as well for, for, the, uh, for our customers. And for the, um, uh, the overall project, basically, uh, for us, for offices, um, but this would cover sort of like the servers that we are using, all the external um, providers like Google Cloud, Amazon Cloud that we're using, um, or um, whichever cloud-based uh, um, system it is, um, and how much emission we are actually causing in, in these terms. And um, basically, there are lots of different calculation points. We analyzed together with Planetly 121 data points for us and basically offsetted it with two different projects. And it depends, um, this journey depends and differs for every company, every merchant, and um, in terms of what today is for fulfillment and, and shipping, this is basically offsetting is the um, best solution. And um, basically that's what um, we are working on as well for, for the next years too. Um, I will come to the shipping options. Basically, this is what we um, also provide. And uh, I think it's basically useful for merchants to understand um, shipping sustainably is an uh, important aspect. Um, at the moment, DHL, DPD and GLS um, provide uh, climate neutral shipping options. And um, with DPD, it's, um, it comes directly with the um, contracts. With DHL Go Green, um, you pay a surcharge of additional um, cents per um, parcel um, and with GLS it comes um, automatically as well. These are the options um, that are available in Europe and there are other options across the world as well to um, enable and make sure that um, there are sustainable shipping options and uh, fulfillment providers also use these sustainable um, shipping options. And um, basically, uh, with this said, I think um, this is a stat from Germany, but um, sort of with the next generation, um, the millennials say that companies' environmental focus influences their purchase decision, and they would choose environmental uh, friendly shipping rather than um, uh, paying less for it. So it is something, thankfully, that we are as a society getting more conscious about, and um, we are basically providing these options for uh, for brands to make sure that their um, sort of proposition is also uh, eco friendly. And um, I think one other thing I can add is um, basically this is just a start and to a um, journey in general. We are working with um, PackHelp as well as uh, other partners like Planetly to make this journey um, as um, full as possible. So um, we are working with PackHelp on a deal that we can offer to our clients, a sustainable uh, package um, deal uh, that we can offer to, to our customers, to, our, to the merchants, um, so that it's basically um, easier for them to, uh, to opt in. Um, for that option. And I, I basically um, try to summarize um, how, how it's 
how, how useful um, or how like key takeaways basically for any merchant to start their sustainable shipping journey. So um, like in order to um, get the um, sort of understand the demand and also talk, have a conversationalist, uh, have a conversation with the with your end user, um, you um, need to make sure that you have sustainable shipping options, if especially you have a um, eco-friendly um, brand basically shipping and, and packaging is the last touch point uh, and the only physical touch point that you have with your consumers so that's a very important aspect outsourcing fulfillment if you have um, sort of like grown out so we don't recommend outsourcing fulfillment um, if you're um, having less than 100 um, shipments per month but outsourcing fulfillment helps uh, automate uh, the processes and increases efficiency and that's for and therefore um, it is basically uh, more efficient um, uh, to to outsource and basically look out for a um, fulfillment service if if you are basically growing and um, working on um, growth and um, one other point is basically, um, other than choosing the sustainable shipping options, is um, decentralizing the inventory also helps because then the um, shipping um, basically um, will, or, or there will be again more energy saved on custom uh, clearances uh, and high shipping costs and, and basically for long haul, um, for example, if, you, if, you, if you're a US brand, and um, are selling also um, in EU, let's say 40% of your merchants are uh, in EU, uh, having a warehouse set up in EU as well will help you with the CO2, CO2 emissions and the, and the efficiency as well, since you wouldn't have to ship your goods or um, uh, use air freight um, for getting your goods across to, um, to Europe every time um, you have a delivery from, from your end user. Um, and that's basically a wrap, um, sort of like for the key takeaways. I, I, I kept it um, a bit short, but I'm happy to um, have sort of like questions. And I will also post my email as well in the chat. Wow, thank you. That was a great presentation. I think, did I see a question that was asked? Chrissy, you had one, the one before the outsourcing fulfillment that you might want to ask? Yes, it was actually me. <laughs> So have you thought about Green Last Mile? So partnering with people who do that. Uh, green Last Mile, meaning the shipping options, um, basically I um, provided, or is there something I'm missing? Yeah, so um, I know that Bezos, or Bezos, sorry, <laughs> um, they offer um, like a Green Last Mile solution. So um, perhaps there's a guy on a bike who cycles to do the last mile and delivers to three houses on the same street or something like that to save um, the vehicle driving to each individual locations. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought, I just wondered if you'd considered that yourself or if you could maybe partner with someone who's doing it and then, yeah, just there. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, we are partnering with different um, sort of last mile um, delivery uh, companies uh, in that sense. And um, as I said, sort of um, all the um, deliveries that we do with DHL, DPD, GLS are uh, carbon neutral. Um, so I think that is a green last mile delivery in that sense uh, itself, because it is um, carbon neutral and that that is the offering. And I think there are like amazing different options with last mile de delivery. Uh, with using pack stations and um, or uh, basically using um, uh, bicycles. I know there's a couple of uh, other startups also in Berlin. They're doing these, um, they're using just public transportation uh, basically to, to deliver. Um, in terms of um, in terms of that, I think that that's a question from you again, Chrissy, at one, what point um, you basically consider outsourcing or fulfillment is also related um, to that because when you have um, higher volumes, um, then it might not be um, possible to deliver with bicycles and public transportation for, for such brands, but um, then use sort of like more um, shipping options with Go Green uh, availability. And um, I think that depends, but for outsourced fulfillment, I or um, 200 shipments per month um, is, is useful. And um, I think Bezos AI, like I, I had a chat with Maria, with one of your colleagues, Diego, I think uh, back in um, like a month ago and so on. So um, I think it's basically um, everywhere that, that's, that we're going for. And that, that makes me happy to, to hear that like, everyone is basically looking for the same goal of the sustainability efforts. Amazing, thank you. You're great. Does anyone else have any questions for Sinan? Oh, I think it's more of a comment. Steve, feel free, feel free. Sure, well, actually I can, I can turn this into a question. So, um, so I've done some research on this sort of to recommend to a Good Carts member stores, potential providers in this space in the United States and, um, you know, there's like Indie Do Good, which is like one local one here in the in Twin Cities where I am in Minneapolis, St. Paul. But I haven't yet found like sort of like a sustainably branded sort of nation, nationwide network and then maybe issues related to scale. But I'm just curious if you have any comments on that about, you know, folks in the U.S. or Canada that are doing maybe some, some similar things, future comp competitors or collaborators for you. I mean, we have um, actually we we had the um, sort of goal and the aim to expand to US beginning of 2020. Um, with um, COVID, unfortunately, we had to put it on hold. Uh, our expansion. We have some partners in in US at the moment. We're working with US is a is a huge um, uh, country. I think that's why maybe in Europe it's uh, easier <laughs> to mm -hmm. find a solution. To US is um, like um, sort of size-wise big, literally. Right. So um, maybe that's why um, uh, sort of providers do not uh, or cannot uh, monetary op offer the solutions. And our reason for um, freezing it was basically us not being able to provide the, the service we, we wanted to, to begin with. Um, but I can, I can look it up um, sure. and definitely um, let you know if there are any interesting um, sort of uh, companies like us um, doing that in the US. We have a lot of waste here, so there's lots of opportunity. <laughs> I have a, a sort of related question. Um, this is like a pie in the sky thing, but I've always wondered, like, you think about like all the local shops, so say, say, the, say in the fair trade community, like there's, you know, there's like one or two stores probably in each metro area, maybe a few more. And I always thought like, well, if there was some way that like 
somebody could just know, oh, that's on the shelf in your town <laughs> in, a, in a, a small local business, you know, have it be fulfilled from a, a local vendor. Is there anything that sort of like tries to connect, I guess, the catalogs, if you will, of multiple sort of small shops that are already there? They're not warehouses, but they might have a, a, a niche product available. Does that ring a bell? I'm, I'm not, I've not researched it. So just been something I sort thought of about. Sort of omni-channel, you mean? Sort of like from, from local shops and um, linking that to the e-commerce and enabling that them to sell Yeah, so basically things. any small business that has some inventory, in theory, if someone from their region was looking for that product, you know, there had to be obviously some massive connections. This could be a Shopify thing, maybe down yeah. the road, but something where yeah. like, you know, it, you, you realize, oh, I can get that scarf here. Mm -hmm. I actually don't need to ship it from, you know, Madagascar or wherever it might be. It actually is a place where it's located. Obviously, the, you know, whoever has it needs to make some of that money. They're not just a warehouse, if you will, fulfilling for someone else. They would want a cut. But I just wondered if anyone's ever looked at, you know, ways to that's a great idea. That's yeah. a great business idea. Liberate the local <laughs> shelves. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> Let's work on it. Yeah. No. So that. Yeah. It's. It's a. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great for like the economy, of course. Uh, not the economy, mm. the environment. With you're not, you know, emitting as much CO two. But also, I feel like that'd be very interesting for the customer because the shipping is probably less if there's any shipping at all. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, that is lovely. That thank you for bringing that up. I think that gives us a lot to think about. Um, Shopify do have their shop pay so you can actually like log on the app and as a customer you can find all the local stores in that app so perhaps that but they're still missing something maybe it should be at checkout and yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe the inventory like knowing for sure 100% oh they have one available for you might be a little bit more difficult but at the very least knowing that it is available so that you can at least get in contact with that more um, local or regional um, provider and, you know, at least get in contact with them, ask them, is there any availability? Can I purchase it? When are you restocking? Things like that. So that could be very, very cool. Maybe there's a fair trade wholesaler that will figure out that, you know, their product <laughs> is, you know, in 60 cities and maybe uh, they can figure out how, how they'd get more business, right? Because then they, you know. Especially in a country as big as the USA and mm -hmm. And with the USA feels like I feel like has everything too. So it's it's very likely that something you're looking for on the other half side of the country is actually might just be within your state even. So that's that's cool. Very decentralized. Everyone, yeah. Everyone's calling you a genius, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the idea. I, you know, I hope that the um the expansion to the US comes sooner than later. I'm sure the American public would love yeah. to be working with <laughs> with bird uh sometime soon so yeah Hope so definitely but i also loved how you talked about your project in, from um related to indonesia because i'm actually originally indonesian so that touched me oh. and made me very very happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was one of the projects we were really interested in um basically Bor borneo um rainforest um sort of um deforestation was one of the projects that that we used and um i i really got excited about the overall planetly corporation that we did as well so yeah yeah definitely i actually I, I'm originally Indonesian, but I haven't lived there for majority of my life. And actually one of the first times I really started caring about um, like sustainable practices and the environment was actually going on vacation to Indonesia 
there were two situations. Once I went hiking on a mountain and then last minute, my family had to change plans because apparently they went to that mountain when they were a child and loved it. But nowadays it's just become so trash ridden uh, from um, trash that people hike. Like they bring, you know, food that they can bring on a hike. And then the the packaging, the waste is, is just abandoned on the mountain. And so we went, ended up going to a different uh, location. And then another time I went to a beach that apparently had so much waste washed up on, so- on shore. It's just an immense amount that they're, the locals have even completely given up picking up all that trash because in their eyes, there's no point because every time they pick something up, there's just more. And it's, it's unfortunate that it's gotten to the point where it feels so irreversible that people have stopped trying. So I, I love any effort that contributes to helping Indonesia. Um, so that's lovely. Um, does anyone else have any last questions for Sinem after I've been rambling? <laughs> I do have one Indonesia comment. So I shared earlier a link about gangs in Indonesia that are importing like plastics from the United States and dumping them on, on, on towns. Um, and so that whole end of life thing, it, it's a real deal, particularly for now that China no longer takes all the... You know, basically west coast plastics um the west coast in the u.s is shipping them wherever they can because we don't they don't have the capacity uh to actually process the plastics in uh on the coast because it was cheaper to ship it away in minnesota we actually process our own plastic here and you can buy like furniture <laughs> made from local plastics but anyway it's it's indonesia has now become like a real target so these gangs are being paid to just dump it in Indonesia, basically. Basically, they're of- buying it, like you know, and and then you know, maybe it's an illegal business, right? You know, they might not be your 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 gangs on motorcycles. So think about it in terms of like organized crime, where they can you know buy the plastic, and then the way they recycle it is basically they uh, dispose of it illegally uh, in parts of Indonesia. That's what the article suggests. It was it's, it's from Vice, um, and wow. it's it's earlier in the chat. I happened to share it because. Uh, you know, it's just, it was a really scary headline for me. You know, I, I see a lot of bad things, but the idea that organized crime has figured out how to make money on dumping plastic on, you know, vulnerable parts of the world is, uh, wow. Yeah, also, if I may add to this topic, sometimes I know that uh, plastic is also incinerated, which means like burned. And in many countries, these facilities, they don't uh, have any standards. And um, basically, uh, it's air pollution. So a lot of communities, they don't have clean air because of the plastic that is just simply burned with any filters. It's terrible. And then we have e-waste as well, which is a whole other thing. Um, oh, e-waste. That's, that's also a very interesting topic, I think. Right. Potential other theme for another <laughs> meetup sometime, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, at least, you know, we can get together and talk about these things and build awareness and figure out some ways to tackle it together. So, yeah, thank you, everyone, for including your own voice in the conversation. It's been very interesting. And yeah, also thank you as well to our lovely speakers. Brilliant. I love it. I love it all. So yeah, thank you again to Susanna and Sanem. And for everyone who came today, uh, we will send a follow-up email um, to you. And uh, lastly, I will share um, the link for the next event if you would like to carry on this conversation. And yes, if you haven't yet, sign up to our community if you somehow joined onto the, this event. There's more like this coming, so uh, maybe that would interest you. But yes, without further ado, thank you everyone. Have a great, great, great evening. We were so delighted to have you all. It was our pleasure.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you did, you'll probably like being in our community. There's a whole host of exciting things going on. So don't forget to join by going to mindfulcommerce.io. Click on community and register from there. If you like this episode, please share, leave a review and remember to subscribe.